Rotations is all about allowing interesting people the opportunity to share their opinions and ideas. Some listeners may find the opinions and content expressed disturbing and or objectionable. Hello everyone, it's Dr. Todd Fredericks at the High University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine and this is a great day because I get to finish my hour-long discussion with one of my friends who I really look forward to talking to. About every six months I get a chance to sit down with John Bowditch and talk about just wherever the conversation goes, but it's always linked into stuff that's very familiar. So John, thank you for thank you. talking about crazy stuff and John, just to just to get a little bit more back into background. John runs the Grid Lab here, which is uh, a, well, John, tell them what the Grid Lab does. Sure. Um, so Grid is actually an acronym for Game Research and Immersive Design. Uh, we, we've had a pretty diverse 16 year history, but for the most part, all of the research we do uh, uses gaming technology to some extent, right? We may not necessarily be using that technology to create games, but we are definitely using gaming technology to create simulations, uh, education and training platforms, um, it, so, yeah. So my question though is, Gridlab used to be above the Chinese food place on on, on Fourth yes, Street. Yes. So and I would walk by there and I would think this is just a bunch of geeks playing like you know Forza. Yeah, yeah. Right. Was that what it was when it he was, started? It was, it was just a, a place to go play video games. The first two years were, uh, it was a public arcade, and there was a research element of it that never really got off the ground because we were spending all of our effort trying to run a business. Um, what was the business? A sustainable arcade that would pay for the research, um, but it was from the university. It was from the university. Yeah. How did you How did you pitch this to get people to let you buy a bunch of playstations and go up there and start <laughs> start playing video uh, games? I mean, it's it's a tough pitch in academia still to this day. I mean, like games are associated with with toys. It's not you know a lot of people don't or with see middle aged people living in your basement yeah. who never grew up. Yeah, that's right. There's like a lot of mothers that have empty basements apparently for their for their children around this <laughs> That's world. Right. Um, uh, you know, but uh, it, it's still to this day it's hard for people to accept that it's a it's one of the most valuable media platforms in the history of mankind. I mean like uh, it if you take the commercial industry uh, commercial industries for like music and you double that, you're still not touching the revenue that games make in a year. Yeah, what, you know, what do competitive esports generate as far as a business right now? Not that that's a great example yeah, yeah. because it's like a, a very limited lifetime and it's a niche thing, but what's the what's the market value of competitive game industry right now? Uh, Online for, games. For broadcast, it's comparable to an NFL game. Really? Yeah. So you, you see these deals, because you went to, didn't you last year go to something at Nationwide or you, two years ago where they it had was, yeah, Fortnite or something? It was playing? a few years ago. Um, it was actually in Orlando. I was down there for something else and I saw that there was a Call of Duty tournament uh, finals of some sort with with like a relatively large purse i think it was like a million to two million dollars I mean, it's serious money teams yeah teams and um so i i didn't have a ticket ahead of time so i show up at the stadium i'm able to get um uh i, I was i was offered tickets at like starting at 60 bucks a piece for the nosebleeds and i was just like nah i'm, I'm okay um i mean i they were they were sold out to the point where only the really, really bad seats were available. 
and they were 60 bucks a pop to go watch people play video games. And how much does this arena, how many people does this arena see? Uh, it was like the Orlando Magic Arena. 20,000? Probably 20,000. 20,000? 15 to 20,000. Let's yeah. say just, let's yeah. say 15. Let's make it conservative. And yeah. yet they sold out every seat. Oh, yeah. Basically. To wa- people watch people play video games. Yeah, and, and it's only really grown since Are you then. serious? Yeah. And you're saying, so one of those events brings in as much money as an NFL football game. Uh, it, it gets as many people to join a broadcast as an NFL football game. Are they, They're not broadcast on TV, though, right? No, it's usually online through platforms like Twitch or Facebook Live. And are those monetized in some way, like the NFL games are with advertising? Yeah, so, so Twitch is owned by Amazon, and so Amazon is able to sell advertising through Just that platform and... Um, yeah, it's just just like it's just like any other social media platform is just targeted towards uh, covering live events, specifically or primarily in the video game areas. So let me ask this question then: Is the is the way that they do the advertising like they do with the NFL? Have they have they, have they gotten to the point where they've tailored commercials? Are there commercial breaks in one of these competitive sure. games? And then do they tailor the commercials like they do the NFL, where you actually watch a commercial like you'd see like the Clydesdales yeah. at the Super Bowl? No, because like the it's a different generation that mm-hmm. watches this, right? So the 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 target audience for those watching esports match matches are also they are not also primarily watching NFL games, right? Correct. So, sure. um, you know, I th- I think a lot of the mis um, missteps for advertisers. Advertisers in this space has trying to replicate Super Bowl commercials for Twitch audience, um, but it, it has to be a lot more subtle. Mm-hmm. Than that. It could be um, like a, a bug on the screen that's like the Red Bull logo, or oh really? Um, you know the kind of like the way that football stadiums are dressed with ad ads Everywhere. all over the place. Um, these are these are also dressed with ads, but they're a lot more exclusive, and they're. They're on digital screen, so they're brighter and they stand out more. And um, you know, and then uh, a, a computer company that wants to be known for um, high-end gaming computers might sponsor the event, and they're going to s- smack their logo all over the place on those machines. Because hey, if that team won with Lenovo towers, that's what I want to buy. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That is nuts, isn't it? Yeah. So, so this this goes back to GridLab again. Where are GridLab? So GridLab is is part of a bigger thing, right? But you have students that, that study at the GridLab. That's right. Yeah. So we have a degree in. Uh, it actually just officially changed its name. It used to be called Games and Animation. Mm-hmm. The new degree is now Virtual Reality and Game Development. It's like a little bit more technical focused. So that sounds like a very niche thing. But where do graduates from the GridLab find work? What do they end up doing? Is it just games and virtual reality? Or there are other things that they no, do. No. Uh, actually, probably our most common landing spot is like Walt Disney Imagineering. Yeah, um, working on theme parks and, and and other kind of like creative problem solving type things. I mean, gaming technology, VR technology is being used to design theme parks. It's also being integrated into the theme park experiences, right? And so that's a natural place. Uh, you know, we've had students go the traditional entertainment route where they end up at EA or Activision or like one of the bigger game publishers. Um, but then we also have had students land at companies that create casino games. You know, the, Huge industry. I mean, the slot machines are, like, they're, they're, they make no sense now. Truth, <laughs> right? It's all about the content that you're, you're, you're seeing on those screens, right? So uh, it's not a mechanical pull the arm and hope for three cherries. It's, it's push a button and try to make sense of this, like, entangled 
web that comes out to you and just believe that you won or lost. So four <laughs> years ago, five years ago, Ann and I went to Las Vegas for a conference and we don't gamble. So we don't gamble on slot machines, but we said, well, let's, let's play a slot machine because that's traditional, right? Yeah. Like, you go there, we put a buck in this machine, we pushed a button and just like you said, we had no idea what happened. <laughs> yeah. There was something going on. It was a lot yeah. of colors. I thought I was going to have an epileptic fit and then it was over. Yeah. And I'm like, but then you walk through these casinos and there are people all over doing this. Oh yeah. Like they understand what's going on there. No, it's incredible. There, there is a really good book. It's, it's somewhat academic uh, called Addiction by Design. And uh, it's- Like it's, Facebook. Like kind of like, well, I mean, uh, it was the book. I think was written as a warning, but a lot of people have started using that as like a game plan. Um, you know, the she the the author was talking about how uh, at casinos, some people would have like go into cardiac arrest. Yes, and no one around them would budge. They wouldn't even notice. They wouldn't even. Well, they might notice, but they're like, I can't stop now. I'm on a hot streak. Holy cow. Right, so like people would die around you and you just kept feeding the machine. That's right? the whole point. Yeah. And Feed then the like, I mean, if you look at modern video games, they have embraced that. They want you to spend all of, you know, someone like Epic wants you to spend all of your time and your disposable income on Fortnite. Mm. They don't want you playing any other game. They want to sell you um, non-transferable digital goods a dollar at a time until you haven't realized that you've put $150 into a game. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there are casino games in the mobile market that are set up just like casinos to play online poker and um, slot machines and other you know um, gambling-based games, but there's no payout. Like if you accumulate $100,000 worth of digital credits, uh, currency in this game, it's not like you can actually convert that into money. You're, you're, you're just going to continue to get more plays until that's there's gone. No, there's no Bitcoin market or tra no, no, no cryptocurrency transfer system yet. No, because there hasn't needed to be. I, wonder I mean, if it's people, are, people are okay just paying money to a virtual game that um, uh, is, is similar to gambling, but there's no payout. It's like the Morlocks. They live in this world that, <laughs> yeah. that, and they sometimes come to the surface long enough to get a bag of Cheetos and more Red Bull or Monster yeah. and then they go back down and they yeah. live in the world again. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, it's become a recipe. And to be honest with you, like, I'm really worried about that as an industry. It's, it's kind of the worst part of gaming where, you know, your objective is to create something so addictive that you're exploiting your audience. It's Brave New World. It's Soma. Somewhat, yeah. Here, here's your Soma. Feel good about yeah. life. Just stay there in that state and yeah. don't don't bother anything. Just focus on that. You'll all be good, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, so a lot of our research now is around virtual reality, right? So these are completely immersive experiences. You have a headset on, so you're not distracted by all the things going on mm -hmm. around you. I mean, you could be in a room with the lights off mm -hmm. and still be perfectly immersed in this um, virtual experience, mm -hmm. um, right? But it's, it, it's incredibly... Um, addictive like you you don't want to go back to reality in so, you know some of these cases like there's there's some really cool Star Wars based VR things where you can go to Galaxy's Edge and just do stories and navigate that why would you want to come back to Athens Ohio when you can spend all your time on Batu um, did you see the augmented reality thing at the Carolina Panthers game yes right oh my gosh the panther jumping around the on stadium. the field yeah that's jumping, incredible right 
So yeah. is, is it going to be, is it going to be, is it going to be that or is it going to be the, the thing on your head all the so, time where you don't know anything about reality? Or do you think people want to be more like, I would like to be in reality where occasionally a giant panther runs down Court Street. So I think that's actually or a, a divergence, bobcat. right? So there's, there's virtual reality, which is recreating an entire environment fictionally. Like, it, it, everything that you're seeing is um, either captured or uh, digitally created. Mm -hmm. And then there's augmented reality where you're seeing elements of the real world, and then you are mixing in digital elements. Right? Pokemon so Go. Pokemon Go is like a, a really popular example, but the Carolina Panthers um, uh, graphic is an example, right? So you have live footage of the stadium, and then you have a digitally created, digitally animated panther jumping around the stadium in a convincing way that makes it seem like there is a real giant panther in that stadium. <laughs> I know. I mean, like it, it's breathtaking, right? And so... Um, I think those are definitely going to diverge from each other, right? So right now they're kind of lumped together, AR, VR. Um, we, we, we kind of just, it's somewhat lazy, but we just label everything as XR, you know, like fill in the blank reality, extended reality. Um, how but they're going to diverge. So, John, how far are we, since you brought up Imagineering, how far are we away from, you know, because right now there's one Cinderella walking around the the, uh -huh. the park, right? Yeah. How far are we away from you go in the the you go into the gates at Disney? They give you a pair of glasses. You put them on. And instead of only one Cinderella at the castle, now there's 15 Cinderellas, yeah. and they're different places. And the experience is the kid walks up and has a very realistic conversation, AI driven, with the Cinderella that's responsive. Yep, we're not terribly far off from that. I mean, so like. I think eventually we will have some kind of wearable glasses that are socially accepted. Okay, so not like Google Glass. Not like Google Glass, where like there was a, Makes you look like a cyborg. There was like people that use that kind of got the nickname of glass hole. Glass hole. Right? Yeah, because like you know you're 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 wearing those in a bathroom. Yeah, you know, and it's creepy, right? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but something that is not too far off from like regular glasses, right? And maybe, like, I, I honestly think that if a when Apple, when Apple creates some kind of AR headset, um, th that'll be as disruptive as the iPhone. Well, so because it'll be Apple, and yeah. their design people will figure it out, and they'll yes. make it to where people think, well, this isn't looking so weird yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's sexy. It's an object of desire, you know. Like, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, like, you can make the argument now that we, we, we kind of already exist in a wearable computer world. You, you just walk around campus, and you see people on their phone extended out in front of them. Mm -hmm. The phone may well may as well be on their face at that point because they can't go anywhere without it. Um, you know, which, but it, it creates an interesting situation in that, you know, really the point of augmented reality is to put layers on top of the existing world, mm -hmm. right? So one positive layer might be, I'm looking at you, and I'm reminded your birthday is in like 10 days mm -hmm. or something like that. I'm like, hey, I'm not going to see you for a while, so happy birthday ahead of time kind mm -hmm. of thing. That, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, or um, you go to a museum, and there are different interpretations of a particular piece of art. Mm -hmm. And it, it's nice to hear those stories, mm -hmm. okay? So th those are like positive things. But wrap in kind of the social disinformation that we are dealing with. And look at that as a layer, mm -hmm. right? So would neo-Nazis be allowed to put their own layer on the Holocaust Museum? Crazy, huh? I mean, like, I mean, can you think of how 
painful that could be to some people. I mean, um, it, if it's as Wild West and you know driven by the tech companies now that don't care about that kind of stuff, regulating that kind of stuff, yep. it's definitely going to happen. I, I don't trust Facebook to kind of manage, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, see, see, I was thinking because the, the Obi-Wan series has been delayed, I was thinking I just want to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation with Obi-Wan as I yeah. walk back to my car. Yeah. I, had, I had turned off my unrestricted warfare switch. Now I'm back on that and I'm thinking, <laughs> how many ways can I influence subtly shape perceptions yeah. by putting a layer into your augmented reality that you're not even aware of? It's just seamless in there. Yeah, I mean... It, it's commonly been said that AR is going to be the user interface for artificial intelligence, right? Well, yeah, right. It's going to be. It's going to enhance. Maybe not. It's going to be a part of your your daily life at your job, your home, your entertainment. You know, your your if you've fictional got really, desires. If you got really sophisticated machine learning, you know, and the and the. So here's the thing I heard. I heard that 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 Starlink when it's really working that will be fast enough that you can play competitive video games over it. Sure. I don't know if you buy that or not. But yeah, it, I, I buy that. Okay. So if that's the case, then can I be a surgeon sitting in an OR doing an operation and basically have my Cortana my Cortana avatar pop up in my glasses and say, look, i got a problem right here. Can you see that? And the yeah. camera's looking at it and say, oh, yeah, you've got that middle mesenteric artery problem. And I say, well, how would you handle that? And AI goes through and gives me all these options yes. based upon a tailored expert model that says, yeah, I would handle it like this, this, and this. In yeah. fact, put your finger right there. But then also you as an educator are also broadcasting that with that additional information on top so that students learning the procedure that you're performing can see an actual thing. See, the military for years has wanted to slap all this crap on doctors and medics to try to get them to do stuff in the field. However, if I have an AR, real, AR thing and I'm a trauma surgeon in a faraway hospital, yeah. being able to have someone that really looks like they're there, kind of like Star Trek, Right where you have the you have yeah, the, the hologram the, the hologram yeah. doctor right that they pop up and now I can have a conversation. I say, do you see this? Yeah, I see exactly what you're looking at. Yeah. Do this, this, and this. Or I mean, it, it can even be more simplistic than that. It could just be like overlaying some kind of medical imaging that was already taken on top of whatever, wherever you're working. Yes. Right. And, and I and I I say this with confidence because Cleveland Clinic already utilizes this. In fact, I think their uh, Cleveland Clinic in association with Case Western mm -hmm. is probably the furthest along when it comes to using augmented reality in medicine. You think so? Absolutely. Really? Um, you got any grid lab graduates up there? No, unfortunately. Um, Should they do rotations? I, or I don't do, know. do internships? Um, I, I Probably. Um, I mean, they they have been so successful, especially in the, the space of anatomy and physiology. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, you know, you what's a traditional way of teaching skeletal structures now in, in a class? You, you just have a skeleton yeah, there. Yeah, box and, of bones. Like, and you as a professor, like, point out, like, here's, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. kind of get it. You, you're, you're telling the story. Um, but imagine, like, a, a, an actual body, a scan of a body floating in space around you as a class. You're all wearing glasses, and you're all able to kind of walk around it and interact with it together. Mm -hmm. And then let's peel away the tissue. Let's peel away mm -hmm. the different systems. And... It's incredible. It doesn't require an actual body. Mm -hmm. um, if someone doesn't get it, doesn't understand the content, they can take it home with them and, and recreate the entire thing in their apartment. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's a great benefit. Um, oh, procedural practice. Yeah. Um, you know, walking through it very visually. I got a chance finally, John, to put on a VR headset that actually was on an Alienware laptop over in the Middle East. And it was pretty compelling. I mean, 
flying an Airbus A321 in his VR headset, and I'm like leaning forward, and I'm looking out past the wing, and I'm like, it's okay. incredible, and right? It, like you'd really be flying. Like yeah. I want to get a better view of this, and I turn over, and there it is. Yeah. Now what, like you say, to the exclusion of the real world, so I'm ending up bumping into desks, and I'm bumping into <laughs> things that are out there because to me. Yeah. I see an air, a control panel, I see flight controls, overhead switches and stuff, which I can all reach to and turn on, and I can see Los Angeles International Airport down there. It was very compelling, and yeah. I was like, it's only going to get more sophisticated. No, I, I still am fooled by it sometimes, right? So I, for safety reasons, I try to do as much VR sitting as possible. Although well, does, you have to. I do like a lot, a lot of fitness-based stuff that makes you get up and move, obviously. And a lot of my research is about like moving around. I'll talk about that in a second. Like Ready Player One, kind of. Yeah. I, but better in some regards. Okay. Um, so the, uh, you know, the the, we we have people new to VR be seated the first time they do it because you know we've had like a bed show up, in in a in a scene, and if you're already in there, you're immersed. Sometimes you forget that it is, fake, and you might be tired. And if you're standing up. <laughs> If you're standing up, you might want to lean on something to, you know, shift your weight a little bit. We've had people just... Lean into the ground. Yeah. Nice. I have been one of those people. That's I cool. Mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's cool, but it's also like, oh my gosh. Like, you can, you can really convince someone that this is real. You have to separate um, yourself. You know, my, my research is actually, how do you move in VR? Like, locomotion, moving, actually physically walking around... Um, and then interacting with that space. So over in Scripps Hall at the Grid Lab, we have built a virtual reality obstacle course mm -hmm. um, with uh, its theatrical uh, uh, flats. So mm -hmm. one foot, two foot, and four foot sections. We arrange them however we want. We have ramps, um, we have benches, we have tables, right? Um, it, it looks awful in reality. It's just a bunch of wood and glue and stuff and tape. Um, but once you're in a headset, we replace all of that digitally. Yes, yeah, out a year ago. Yeah, it's so, got to be yeah. only better now. Oh yeah, yeah. So like uh, last semester, this was done in the spring virtually. Um, the kids created a uh, a starship bridge, and you had to go around it and like uh, avoid detection, but then interact with different surfaces and stuff, pull levers. Um, I mean, it's 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 incredible. Um, right now, we are. Um, we went to Joanne Fabrics and got a bunch of different types of string. Mm -hmm. And so we're saying, can we recreate the feeling of walking through spider webs? Hmm. Right? So it's all of the d this digital stuff and then the dimension of touch on top of that. Yeah, that's the real thing, right? Because I, I, I want to reach up and turn something on, and I still don't have a good solution for that. Yep. Right? But eventually you're going to get some kind of gloves or something where you, when you go up there, you're feeling something. Yep. It's, it, it's just a matter of... Or, or actually feeling something, right? So, I mean, kind of the end goal of this is, can you create some kind of technology where um, if it sets up in a room like your office, mm -hmm. it knows where all the hard surfaces are, it knows what you're not gonna be able to go through. Yeah. Can it take this space and create a compelling experience within that space that requires you to touch those surfaces? So it becomes a registration problem in computation where you have yep. to figure out register and track that yep. physical object within the artificial space yep. so that then if I reach up and I feel a switch, it corresponds to what I see up there. That's right. Man, but that's just, that's just engineering. That's just, time, that's just engineering and, and refining. And so it's like well within decade that we're going to have these really sophisticated systems where instead oh, of having easily. these easily within the decade. massive things, I can literally have a computer here, 
a few tactile controls here. Yeah. I don't need a full huge box or anything. I just you know, but but we also steal from theme park design. So mm -hmm. we do hot surfaces, cold surfaces. Mm. Um, right now we are building a, um, a an, an actuator that will shoot some air at you, mm -hmm. like just using Arduinos and like little tiny Raspberry Pi computers, um, just to create that sensation of. You know, if a if you're in spider webs and a giant spider comes around the corner and you see it digitally, mm -hmm. and digitally we shoot a web at you, mm -hmm. how do we sell that? And a puff of air, yeah, something is might communicate that enough. Off. Um, you know, so so a lot of a lot of that stuff is being experimented with. Yeah, that's the funny thing too, and that kind of goes where I wanted to go with the Grid Lab. So the Grid Lab was like this, you know, a bunch of young compute college, you know, people playing video games upstairs above a Chinese food restaurant, and now <laughs> it's green screen rooms and yep. it's it's sets and it's it's building circuits with Raspberry Pi and and uh, yeah, Arduinos, millions and of dollars of grants, millions and of dollars of 40, grants, forty student employees, five full time uh, staff, and computers everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a substantial thing, and yeah, it's, in it's, the, and it's 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 an amazing thing to be around. It's in Scripps Hall. It's it's in primarily most of Scripps Hall. If you count now the new esports facility they built in there, uh, that that building is kind of the fun factory now. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I like it. So, are you are, are you glad where you're at in this thing? Sure, but I'm you know I'm never satisfied. What's what's we, it look like in ten years? Uh, we won't need as much space. Um, it'll be much easier for the average person to be able to create their own virtual experiences. I think we'll have to have a really good talk as a society about unplugging. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably due now, but you know, my biggest fear is is always that addiction. You know, do you can you create VR junkies? You know, they stop taking care of themselves because they're just plugged in all day. Um, that that's a concern of mine. Um, but also, like, this is going to happen whether you're comfortable with it or not. It has I mean, to be dealt with. It, it, it's out. It is continually evolving. I mean, it's like self-driving cars or, uh, or any kind of technology that is becoming common. It's just exponentially going to increase in what it can do, mm. what it can compute. I mean, the fact that you have a supercomputer in your pocket that has easy access to the collective knowledge of mankind mm -hmm. is incredible. Right? <laughs> totally. That's only going to grow. It's only, only going to expand. Man, John. So I want to, I, I did want to talk to you about being a patient. Yeah. But I'm, but we're, we're going to, I don't know if I have enough time to do that. I, we can come back. I can come back. So, so I would say this though. Um, Medicine to me, we're in this weird thing. So last a couple weeks ago, Marriott Memorial Hospital was held hostage by Russian. I think it was Russian hackers that came in and did ransomware on them. Uh, it was in the news, yeah. so I don't think I'm, and I don't know what the final payout was. But basically, there's no other option but to pay these people in if Bitcoin. you want. In, in Bitcoin or right, some in, cryptocurrency. In, in untraceable currency, yeah. Wh which my understanding was the FBI figured out how on that uh, Colonial Pipeline deal, they actually recovered Yeah, money. that's also kind of scary because that defeats the purpose of crypto. The, right, crypto, right. <laughs> yeah. then they got like 60% yeah. of the money back, right? Because they figured out how to defeat the the, yeah. the, the blockchain or whatever they're whatever that is, right? So, so, so where, what, what's, I guess in closing is before, we, before you come back, hopefully soon, and we, we'd finish up a third segment on, on what, what John's experience in healthcare was like. Where is this, where is this going? Like, 
what would you tell the healthcare system? Because it's not cool when your medical records are locked up and you can't take emergency patients because no. nothing works in the hospital anymore. You can't order medication. You can't order diagnostics because you're so beholden to this system. You can't even log in. You can't even log <laughs> yeah. in. So what no. needs to? What's the security solution for these people so that we can actually use our hospitals? I mean, no one likes the concept of insurance. Right, so I do, but, but it, it helps a lot of people that are well, real, that are critically ill. But but like, you know, it's like I have to pay car insurance, but I don't get in accidents, right? So like, we don't really. Oh, I like see what you're saying. Think, yeah, it's a burden ahead. you'd rather not have. Yeah, yes. so um, IT security is one of those things where it's like, eh, we're probably okay. We're not significant enough to mm -hmm. to, to be attacked. Um, you know, I think Baltimore as a city was attacked a couple of years ago and just obliterated. They ended up paying a ransom, but for the most part, well, th maybe they didn't pay a ransom, but they just basically replaced all of the infrastructure. I mean, the hardware was fried, the servers were fried. Uh, they just tossed it and started over. Um, you know, a small healthcare center probably can't afford to do that. Mm -mm. Um, you know, and, and you know, a two or three Bitcoin now is like maybe a hundred grand. Um, and if, you, if that can get you temporarily out of this mess, it, economically may be worth it. Um, it's not going to slow down. It's a lucrative criminal enterprise. And it's generally run out of countries that don't really care whether or not yeah. they attack an American no, healthcare concern. It's definitely Russian. A lot of it is probably state-sponsored to some degree. Sure. Um, it's easy to deny. Yes. Someone told me the other day, John, it was it's terrified me that, that the, best, the best hackers can basically enter your system, use these little time bombs that blow up all the traces that they came in. Yes plant their stuff deep in your software package, go out, you'll never even know they were there until they actually execute the, the yeah. so until it actually executes. Apple put out an emergency software patch, I think yesterday or the day before, mm. which is really rare for Apple. I probably should pay attention um, to that. And because there, it, it was became known, that I think the system's called like Pegasus, but it is, some, it is a technique that will allow people to access your phone without having to have installed spyware or malware. Nothing the user could have done basically could have prevented that. Yeah. Um, that's a huge security gap. Yeah, big problem. Right? And so, um, you know, if, it, if Apple thought this was an emergency patch, I mean, just imagine how deep it's already been <laughs> moved around. It's and, terrifying. Yeah, and they're looking for, I mean, they're looking for keywords that stick out to them. You know, your U.S. Army, I'm sure, like... Of course, they would want to see what a colonel's phone in the U.S. Army is looking at. Oh, I'm at. sure they would. You know, uh, so. Well, this is one of the reasons why I got off. I, I mean, I, I have a LinkedIn account, right? But I, I just uh, Facebook gone, Twitter gone. I don't do any of it because it's like you already collected a bazillion things <laughs> on me. Like I just don't want to keep giving this stuff up. And I, I part of me says we should air gap everything. Like any institution, I'm sorry, but you don't connect to the outside world. If you're going to manage records yeah. and stuff, and then if you want to give records to people, then you use well, some but, form but of. There's proof of that not even working. I mean, really, like the the Stuxnet Stuxnet virus in the Iranian. That's true. Uh, nuclear power plants. Like someone drove by, threw some thumb drives in a parking lot there because yeah. they are air gap from outside things and yet you know and if you're walking, work if you're walking i mean if you're walking <laughs> in the parking lot here and you see a thumb drive you're like oh this fell out of my colleague's bag i'll just plug this into a computer and see if there's like any identifying files on there well the second that goes into one of their computers on the inside it's everywhere it's done right but um stuxnet got out in the wild from there it um, did it did and that's actually because someone it was, took it home on their computer that or 
you know, yeah, or so, someone took the thumb drive elsewhere. Uh, you know, you might have good intentions, but that thing got out. I mean, it was it was showing up in um, electronics at like the Davis Bessie power plant up up near Toledo. Are you kidding? Yeah, which is a nuclear power facility. That's a very terrifying thing. Yeah, and you know, it's just because the stuff can be somewhat unpredictable. It's kind of like the Rona. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's just it's digital Rona is yes. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It spreads. This, yeah. It's very similar in how it spreads and how it becomes a global thing really quickly. Well, John, this is good. Like I say, it always goes by fast, and I, I know it's a lot of a lot of seemingly disintegrated things. But you know, uh, I'm in a program right now where we're studying complex adaptive systems, and it's all related. It always ties back to something. You concepts and interdisciplinary ideas, they all feed back onto one another. So this has really been really fun. Um, I'm thinking, I don't know about next week. We'll find a time. Yeah, Once I, I want to come back. I want to hear John Bowditch's thoughts on healthcare. Yeah, I'd love to share. My that. experience. Does that sound cool? Yeah, very good. Well, John, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. And for those of you listening, as always, uh, you can contact me. You know how to do that. You'll see you here at the uh, outro. But uh, I'm really thankful for John being here. And again, this will probably be the second segment of three. Um, I want to encourage you to like or whatever you want to do with our with our social media channels. And uh, by all means, give feedback. And if you want to hear something more specific about issues in game design, virtual reality, please contact me and I'll give John the questions ahead of time and he can come in and talk to us about it. And if you really like it, then maybe John will come back periodically on a regular basis and we'll talk about emergence of technology and, and ideas. So with that, I bid you a good day and I, I, hope you, I hope you really get a lot out of what you have to think about today. Thanks. Bye. Rotations is the periodic podcast of all things medicine and science and is part of the media and medicine family of medical storytelling. The guests on Rotations are interviewed in an unopposed fashion so their ideas and opinions can be freely expressed. The opinions and comments expressed on Rotations do not reflect the official or unofficial positions of The Ohio University, The Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, or the Scripps College of Communication. They exist to provide an interesting the opinions and comments expressed on rotations do not reflect the official or unofficial positions of the Ohio University, the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, or the Scripps College of Communication. They exist to provide an interested audience with a frank and honest exchange of the thoughts and ideas of the guests and hosts at the time of the interview as they explore a complex world. This episode of Rotations was produced, hosted, and edited by Todd Fredericks. Rotations is co-hosted by a league of champions of all things medical and science and technology and gaming and a few people we pull off the street. Rotations is copyrighted, and while we welcome citations, tweets, Facebook likes, and other endorsements via word of mouth and social media, we reserve the right to all content. You may use Rotations content under the provisions of Creative Commons, but you cannot alter or edit the content in any manner without the express permission of the content creators. And you must cite Rotations as the source of any content derived from the podcast. We welcome any comments, and you can contact Todd through LinkedIn or sending an email to frederick at ohio.edu. Rotations was founded by Nasarg Bakshi D.O., Todd Fredericks D.O., and Brian Plow, MFA. And all of them can be found in various places in the social media spaces and usually enjoy comments, feedback, and suggestions for interesting things to talk about.